You're listening to the Brown Girl Podcast, a new show discussing various cultural and mainstream topics that impact our community from the perspectives of South Asian women. The show also aims to highlight South Asian women creators, business owners, and pioneers who are paving the way for future generations. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever your podcasts are found. If you're on Instagram, give us a follow at thebrowngirl underscore podcast to stay up to date on new releases and stay engaged with our community. Thanks for tuning in. Hey guys, welcome to the Brown Girl Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in today. This is the February 2022 episode and I have my friend Tina Luke on the show. Thanks Tina for joining. Um, So we are doing a dating part two follow-up today. So Tina and I recorded episode 12 together last month where we talked about dating as a brown girl in our 30s, um, cultural pressures. We had lots of really great responses and feedback from that episode and a lot of people that um, really resonated with our experiences. So thanks so much for listening. If you haven't listened to that, make sure you go tune in uh, to that episode after. Okay, so for today's episode, it's going to be more Q&A format. So we had a handful of questions that were submitted um, by you all on the topic of dating and relationships. And so today is just going to be us answering those um those questions so we've got lots of good ones so we'll dive right into it um how are you tina i'm doing well how are you julie good um you know considering both of us are in la right now it would have been nice to record this in person over wine but it is i know (laughs) but la traffic just gets in the way you know Yeah. So let's get into it. So the first question um, was, what are some good questions to ask on a first date to know if you are a good match? Um, I guess so. I, I guess I wanted to kind of preface by saying that I think it's fine to have some questions in mind for a first date. But at the end of the day, like it should feel natural. You know, it shouldn't feel like a full-blown interrogation where you're peppering somebody with questions. So with that being said, I feel like if you're asking this question of like, you know, what are some good questions to ask on a first date? It's because you're looking for something more serious. And so I feel like you can't really go wrong with just asking what it is that the other person is looking to get out of this connection, you know, meaning like, are you looking for a relationship? Are you looking for something serious that could lead to marriage? Are you looking to just casually date someone? Um, whatever it is, like the truth is there's lots of people who date and are on dating apps that aren't looking for something for anything serious. So I think just getting clear on that as like a first step is, is important. And I think like from my experience, I found that, people tend to be really receptive to answering that question in an honest way. And it's like typically been a good way to kind of segue, like segue into continuing to ask each other deeper questions to understand like whether it's worth continuing to invest in. Yeah, I would agree with that. I typically don't have like a, you know, list of questions in my back pocket to ask on a first date. I kind of just like to feel it out and let things flow naturally. But I I totally agree with what you were saying. If you are looking for something more serious, it doesn't hurt to ask that on a first date and just say like, hey, like, what are you looking for? Are you looking for a relationship? Are you not? And just kind of try to get like, dig a little bit deeper to understand what their intentions are for that date. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, I think that conversations should just flow naturally. Yeah, totally. Like, there's definitely an element of like reading the room that has to happen. Like, you know, you kind of just feel it out if you're feeling the conversation and energy is flowing really easily, then that's like a good sign. Um, one other thing is also just, I, I feel like if there are things that are really important to you and you know those are deal breaker type items, I, I think it's good to get those out of the way early as well. And I'm not saying it ne- it needs to like, be addressed in the first date necessarily, but I think in the first couple of dates or like first couple of conversations at the very least. Um, Like I remember a while ago, I, it was probably like, I don't know, a couple of years ago, two years ago, maybe I met this guy on Dill Mill and he lived somewhere. He lived in some state that I just, I knew I'd never wanted to live in. Um, And he asked in a really upfront way, but like a a really respectful way of like, hey, could you see yourself living here? And I was like, no, I really can't. And he explained, you know, after the reasons why he felt he needed to stay put in that city and state. And um, shortly after, we just like mutually agreed that it wasn't worth continuing, continuing to talk and we went our own ways. And I don't know, I just I really appreciated that he was willing to just tell me that up front so that neither of us felt like we were continuing to waste our time. Yeah, I think that's a good one. Like if there are things that you think might be deal breakers for other people and you kind of feel like, you know, you and this other person are are really hitting it off. And like, it seems like it could go somewhere. I think bringing those things up sooner rather than later is definitely a good call. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think also, um, like the question of what are you looking for in a partner is is one that I like to ask too, and and that I've, I've been asked. Um, but I'm thinking more along the lines of Uh, asking that question with the intent of understanding lifestyle compatibility factors and less on like innate character qualities. Meaning like, you know, most of us who are looking for monogamous relationships are looking for things like trust and honesty and communication. Like those are kind of a given and that kind of stuff you just learn about someone over time through their actions and and behavior. So I don't need, I'm not looking for someone to tell me that they're an honest person because, you know, I'm just going to assume that about you until you prove to me otherwise. That should be a Um, given. Yeah. And, but like, um, like I know in the past, like when I've been asked that question or when I've asked that question, like typically the responses help you kind of feel out and understand what their priorities and values are like whether it's um you know I'm looking for someone who I can travel the world with or someone who I can grow my faith with or if you're someone who has plans to like live abroad half the year then you know it's important to find someone who can be okay with with that kind of fluid lifestyle yeah I would agree with that like asking more of like the the lifestyle compatibility questions as opposed to like personality because the personality questions, I feel like nobody really knows like the right answer for those anyway. And so those are more so things that you'll just naturally uncover about a person rather than yeah. like asking them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I dated this guy a while ago. And I say dated, like we we talked for like maybe two months. It was very short lived, but I kind of knew pretty early on that it it likely wasn't going to be a match. Um, You know, it wasn't like a big hell no, but it wasn't a big hell yes either. It was just kind of lukewarm, you know? And and he also lived in another state. And so things were just, 
progressing a lot slower. It's not like we were seeing each other regularly. And one weekend I had flown into wherever he lived and we were out at dinner and he asked me this question that I'd never been asked before. Um, He asked me what I was looking to get out of marriage. And I had shared some, some of my thoughts, you know, something along the lines of like a best friend, a lifetime partner, you know, someone to build a life with, blah, blah, blah. And I reciprocated the same question to him. And he said, kids, like what he wanted to get out of marriage was kids. And I just remember thinking like, oh, okay. (laughs) Like, that's really not the answer that I wanted to hear. Um, You know, like the reality is like, I want to have kids too, but there has to be more of a mission and purpose to marriage than just kids. You know, like like the primary purpose for you. What's up? not like the primary purpose for you yeah or like yeah exactly like what if you can't have kids like you know life is crazy like you just never know what's gonna happen like are you still gonna want to be with that person if kids can't be part of the picture and so it was it was just for me like it was just a very telling answer that like really screamed to me okay if it wasn't clear before that we weren't on the same page it's like really clear now and so shortly after that we had like talked and you know mutually agreed that it was it was best to to part ways and we did um but yeah i think like the questions things i i think the purpose of of thinking through some of these questions is to kind of just help you ease your way into a, a natural conversation like once you've found a topic that you both have um you know in common you just want to spend some time finding more on that it should it should feel like a natural easy easy conversation um Okay, so next question. So this wasn't really a a specific question. It's just the submission just said long distance relationships. What are your thoughts on long distance? Like, would you be open to it? Have you done it? Yeah, I I feel like I have a lot of thoughts on this topic. Um, So I'm definitely open to it. I feel like I'm 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 pretty open person in general. Like, I don't really have a ton of like deal breakers. Um, But I think in terms of like long distance, I would be open to it if uh, we both had the ability to travel and see each other like fairly frequently and if there's kind of like an end in sight like if Mm -hmm. there's like a if there's a possibility in the near future for one of us to move to the city that the other person is living in so for example like for me I work remotely so I feel like it's very easy easy for me at this stage in my life to be long distance with somebody because I could literally work from anywhere in the world. So that makes it a little bit easier for me. However, is that is it going to be the same situation with my partner or is it not? Because even though it is easy for me to travel, uh, I don't want to always be the one traveling. So that's one factor. And the other thing is it's like, okay, where does this person live? Like, do they live in another city in America? If that's the case, it's like a little bit easier for us to actually like, you know, it's a little bit more plausible for us to actually like live in the same city in the future and like build a future together. If they live in like another country and if they would need a visa, that's a little bit of a different story, right? So Mm -hmm. it just kind of depends on a few different factors. Um, I will say like when I was younger, I was very much like, like no distance doesn't matter as long as as it's the right person like that's all that that's all you really need and i feel like over time my um opinions on on that have kind of changed a little bit mostly because i feel like even though i'm pretty open to 
being long distance, I feel like people in general really aren't. And so, I mean, I guess the, I, I guess it still kind of holds true that if it truly is the right person, it will work out. Mm-hmm. But most likely, most people just like, aren't really willing to like put in the work. So um, I guess the other, the other thing that I want to say about this is that it also depends on if you guys are long distance at the start of the relationship mm-hmm. or if it turns into long distance. Because ideally, if you guys are just starting to date, long distance really isn't ideal just because of all the issues that I just, you know, outlined. Um, however, you know, if you guys have already built a foundation, maybe you've been dating somebody for, you know, like a couple of years or something, and then one person has to move somewhere for a job and you have to be long distance in a temporary, uh, as a temporary situation, that's a little bit different because you've already built the foundation. But in general, I, I still think that like long distance, if you guys are in different cities to begin with, uh, it's not ideal. It could work in certain situations, but uh, the odds are definitely against you, unfortunately. Yes. So I, I've i done long distance before. And in my prior life, when I was open to the idea of long distance, I think a rule of thumb for me was if I start you know, talking to someone's maybe someone I met on the app, like on Dillmill, where they just, you know, match you with people from all around the country. Um, my rule of thumb to myself was, I have to be okay with the idea of living wherever this person lives. And if I couldn't be honest with myself and say like, yes, I could see myself like happily moving there and living there, then it's not something I would pursue. Like, if I met somebody who, you know, I actually gave that exact example just a few minutes ago. Like if I met someone who like lives in a place like Nebraska, like I just know I'm not like I'm not going to be happy living in Nebraska. So mm-hmm. I would just end it and cut it off right there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I totally agree. Like I think long distance different when you've built a foundation and then the relationship becomes long distance because of a job or a family situation. But it's just so much harder to start a lot a relationship that's long distance and I personally will never do another long distance relationship again I've just I've done long distance before and I've done it enough times to know that it's not for me um you know it's just like I guess like having done both long distance and then not long distance it's like a world of a difference I feel like the fun parts of a dating relationship, you know, are just hanging out and being able to hop in the car and drive 15 minutes to see each other, you know, hang out on a random Wednesday night, watch Netflix, Mm. eat pizza, like, and you just, you really like miss out on those experiences that I I think are so crucial to just organically growing a relationship. Like, you know, when you're in person, because you get to see each other so many times a week or whatever, the maturation and like progression and depth happens a lot more naturally and it happens at a faster rate because of the time that you're getting to spend with each with each other and I feel like for me in the past like a a part of why I think the long distance relationships never worked for me is that it just it always felt like there was a lot of unfair pressure placed on a single weekend Mm -hmm. um and so it just felt like it was just hard to just like naturally let things progress and, and kind of keep the momentum going, you know, like, I feel like a relationship that's six months long distance versus six months in person is like a world of a difference. Um, 
So I don't know. I know there's like, I personally know a lot of people who've, who've dated long distance and are now like happily married. Um, and I think that's, that's awesome. I just, I've just done it so many times that <laughs> I'm just over ever doing long distance again. And I think also like for me, I'm dating people for the purposes of like, like the objective is marriage, but I just feel like now, like my thoughts on long distance have shifted a lot um, over the years. And I feel like the journey and process of getting there, there as in marriage is like equally as important. And I don't want to have what feels like a compromised journey leading up to it. Yeah, that's a good point, especially on like how like your time is limited like the time that you guys are spending together is limited if you guys are long, long distance, right? So it's like hard to kind of cram everything into like one weekend or like one trip. Yeah. Um, I have some other friends who have, you know, done long distance relationships as well. And I remember them telling me kind of like the same thing where it's like, it feels like every time they would spend time with their significant other, it's like they were on vacation and they didn't really understand like, how to do like real life together. Yeah. Yeah. And so I could see that being an issue for sure. Yeah. Um, I I did have a question for you that you said that you wouldn't date someone who lives in a city that you don't picture yourself living in. Mm -hmm. What if that the other person was like, I don't, I, I, what if, what if it was the other way around where the other person is like, well, I see myself living in the city that you are currently living in. Yeah, if we had that conversation, then I would be open to it. It's more like me going into it, knowing that there's a possibility that I may have to move. Mm -hmm. And typically, like that conversation doesn't happen that early on, you know what I mean? Especially like when you just met somebody, I'm not gonna want to initiate a conversation so early on about who's moving for who. But it's more like a mindset thing where I personally have to feel comfortable with the idea of it knowing that that's that very well could be a possibility down the down the road yeah that makes sense I think what we're both saying is that like you know it could work if going into it you guys kind of are have an understanding that it's not going to be long distance forever and there is like a there's an end goal in sight yep yep Okay, so moving on, uh, next question was, <clears throat> you should talk about how it's different dating in your 30s than in your 20s. I would love to hear your take on that, is what the submission said. So, we're, I mean, Tina and I are both in our very early 30s, so we're not full-fledged 30-something-year-olds. Um, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> but I will I say... So I will say the beauty of just doing anything when you're older in comparison to when you're younger is that you just have more experience and wisdom under your belt. And the version of yourself today is hopefully better than a prior version. So it it feels to me like a big component of, of why it feels different is that there's there's more to offer, like there's more of you to offer and more to bring to the table now than in my previous years. Mm-hmm. I think another thing is like along those same lines, I'm just, I'm so much more sure of who I am and what's important to me. And it's, it's made me a lot smarter in terms of knowing what I'm looking for and what I'm willing to accept. Like, I feel like I have way less tolerance for crappy behaviors. Um, and 
that's not just for like relationships. It's like friendships too. And and I don't know if tolerance is the right word necessarily, but it's more like I don't even allow certain things that I just know are not quote good for me to enter my airspace. You know, like I don't even put an ounce of thought into it. Like if you're not a kind person, if you don't do the right thing, if you do anything that, you know, I feel makes you unattractive in terms of your character, like I'm just not into you. And that's it. I don't think more on it. I don't marinate over it. I could just, I could not find that any less attractive. Whereas in the past, I would have, would think things like, oh, well, you know, maybe I can change him. Maybe this, maybe that. Um, Mm -hmm. No, like that's not how it works. Like people are who they are. And, you know, you're really setting yourself up for failure if you're with someone because of what you think their potential is. Um. Like, you know, you, you people will show you who they are through their actions and you have to accept that. Otherwise, it's always going to gonna be an uphill battle. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think like when, as you get older, it's not necessarily like being 30 versus like being in your 30s versus being in your 20s. But I think just as you get older, you just have you do have more life experience. Like you said, like we were just talking about with long distance, right? Like you've done that in the past. And so now, you know, moving forward, that's like not a thing that you want to continue to do, right? So I think in general, like we just know ourselves a little bit better and we're kind of a little bit more selective in terms of like who we date just through our experiences. Yes. Um, but I was going to say, I think it's in some ways dating your 30s is a little bit easier than your 20s just because when you're in your 30s or just, I guess, as you get older, you're just a little bit more established, right? Like you're more established in your career. You're more established in your friend groups. Uh, you may have accomplished certain things that you wanted to accomplish. So I know for me personally, like where I'm at in my 30s versus, you know, when I think back to like my earlier 20s, is just like a night and day difference, right? So like, yeah. because I feel like a little bit more established in my career and financially and with my friend groups and things like that, I feel like it kind of allows me to be a little bit more focused um, when it comes to dating, as opposed to how I was before when it's like when you're in your early 20s, you're trying to figure everything out Mm -hmm. and you're trying to figure yourself out and 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 you're throwing dating into the mix. And it's kind of like a lot to juggle. So I think kind of like with maturity, it's sort of like you know yourself a little bit better, you're more established and you have more of like that mental capacity to dedicate to dating someone. Yeah, totally. Like, I mean, when you mentioned being more selective with your time, it just also made me think like, you know, the older you get, the more you have on your plate. And a lot of it could be because of, you know, all those things that you mentioned, like you're a lot more established in various areas of your life. I think about my life now, I'm just like 10 times busier than I was five years ago. And it just like forces you to be a lot more selective about how you choose to spend your time and energy because there's just not there's only like a finite amount of time and energy that you have in the first place. Um, And Mm -hmm. so I think that kind of like mindset shift has also helped me just be a lot like smarter and wiser when it comes to my dating experiences. So next question was, okay, so this is a good one. It's a juicy one. So this person writes, if a girl puts her Instagram or Twitter handle on her profile, should I shoot my shot or don't? I have asked some female friends about this and they didn't really say yes or no, but I would like your opinion. 
So is he referring to like a dating profile? Yes. I think what he's saying is like he's seen girls put their Instagram or Twitter handles on their dating profiles and he's wondering if if it's okay for him to message directly through the social media profile as opposed to the dating app. So I think just because someone has their Instagram or Twitter handle on their dating profile doesn't necessarily mean they want you to DM them there. I think some people may put their Instagram or whatever social media handles up on their dating app profiles to give the person on the other side who is a total stranger another opportunity to see glimpses of their life and like see pictures or you know things that may resonate more with them see what their hobbies are friends and family and pets or whatever like you know sometimes like when you're just looking at a dating profile there's only so much you can gather about someone so seeing someone's social media page may give you a little bit more insight into that person's life and I think that's why some people may choose to put their um, social media handles on their dating profiles But with that being said, I I think there isn't like a straight yes or no answer to this. Like, I think that if you as a guy like feel emboldened to send a message to a girl on Instagram or whatever and, and Twitter, I don't see anything wrong with it necessarily as long as you can do it in a way that's like light and respectful. As long as you can craft the message in a way that's respectful, I don't see why it's a terrible idea. I mean, if, it's like if you only have one sh- one shot to shoot, you know, as this person alludes to, you might as well shoot it, in my opinion. Um, I, I will say, like, I have had guys send me DMs through Instagram in the past. And if you drop a message like, hi, or hey, what's up? and I have no clue who you are, mm-hmm. chances are your message is going to get buried with all of the other highs and hellos. But I think if you like take the time to craft a well thought out message, I feel like you're increasing your chance of of someone on the other other end seeing that and like at least feeling compelled to respond. Yes, I would agree. But I'm also curious as to why doesn't he just shoot his shot on, on the app, the dating right? profile, on the dating yeah. app? Like that's what it's for, right? Yes. And I feel like that which that should be the preferred way. But then it's like, you know, what if you don't get matched with that person? Should he still take that leap and try messaging on the Instagram app? So I actually I dug through my Instagram inbox um and what did you find (laughs) yes because I wanted to read a real life message I got in my dms to share as an example of what I personally felt like was an appropriate and respectful way to message somebody in the dm so I I found this message it's dated July 19th and he writes hi Julie I hope you don't mind my impromptu introduction as this may seem a bit unorthodox, but I came across your profile on Bumble today and was of course drawn to your pictures. So I wanted to reach out in hopes of being able to talk to you with a smiley face. Um, I, I thought it was a nice message. It was respectful. It was kind. And I thought like I should at least respond to this message. And this was a time where I think like I had uh, deleted my app Um, or at least, sorry, I had deleted my dating app, um, which 
by the way, PSA, if you want to delete your app, meaning like you don't want your profile to be active anymore, like you have to physically disable or deactivate your profile. Like you can't just like delete the app from your phone because your profile will still be active. Anyways, yeah. so, <laughs> um, so I saw this message and like I wanted to respond to him, but my intent in responding to this guy was not necessarily like to continue the conversation. Um it was purely to be like, Hey, thanks so much for the kind note. I'm actually not on the app anymore kind of thing. It just, it just felt to me like the right thing to do was at least give him a response. Um, but I think like, again, if you, you know, craft your message, like if you're a guy like wanting to send a message through DM, um, if you craft your message in a, in a respectful way, I think, you know, you're increasing your chances of at least getting a response back. Yeah. I guess like my thought is it doesn't hurt. I still, I, I still just don't really understand why, why not just message on the app? I guess if he's saying that, like, well, what if we don't match on the app? But then it's just like, well, if that, you didn't that's match your on answer. the app, yeah, right. If you didn't match on the app, then like, I don't know, I, I don't think the chances are going to be that high if you move to yeah. a different platform. But you know, you can try. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so. Moving on to the next question. So I think we're about halfway through, more than halfway through. Um, So should the guy pay on the first date? Um, This person writes, should the guy pay on the first date? I went on a date with a guy and he didn't offer to pay, but we had a good time. Is he cheap? What do you think? (laughs) Well, you know my thoughts. (laughs) thoughts (laughs) (laughs) But (laughs) but I'm just going to say this. If a guy asks you on a date, and he does not pay, like pay for the full thing. He is cheap. <laughs> yes, yes, I agree. I feel like if a guy wants to see you again and it's the first date, then he should definitely pay. And quite honestly, if he didn't foot the entire bill, it would be a huge turnoff for me. Um, and that actually happened to me last year, where I think I told you about this, Tina. But like, uh. It was in in LA. I met this guy on Bumble. And typically I prefer a first date encounter with someone whom I met like on a dating app to be pretty low key, you know, whether that's like going on a walk or getting coffee or, you know, something that's like low investment, both in terms of like time and money. And we had exchanged a few messages through Bumble and like maybe like five or six messages. I, you know, it's very short. And he asked me if I wanted to go to lunch. And I said, sure. And again, if it was me suggesting meeting up, like I would have probably suggested a walk or a hike or something like that. Anyways, so we meet up for lunch and it was like a Saturday and it was like a normal, quote, good first date, you know, like nothing crazy out of this world sparks, but we had good conversation. It just, it felt like I was just hanging out with a friend, which, which is a good thing. And, um, he had just moved to LA. He just finished B school at Kellogg was about to start this like consulting job. And, you know, for all intents and purposes, he was like, quote, successful, like easily a six figure income job, whatever, whatever. And the bill comes. And of course I like offer, I always offer to like take out my wallet And most guys will be like, no, like, I got it. Let me take care of this. And he didn't do that. And so I assume that because he wasn't offering to foot the bill, that he wasn't interested in seeing me again. And so 
anyways, the date ends. <clears throat> we split it or whatever. We go on ways. And then that same day, he followed up with me to tell me that like he had a really good time and wanted to see me again next weekend. And I was like, huh, interesting, because the whole thing just felt so perplexing to me. Um, because like, it's just my frame of thought is that if a guy wants to see you again, like he would he would pay. And so I actually in prep for this episode, I, I actually dug through my old messages. And it turns out I didn't actually respond to his message. In retrospect, I probably should have. But I think I was like more pondering on what to say or how to say that I wasn't interested in seeing him again. And then like two days later, I went on a business trip that week and like responding just totally fell off my radar. And then he followed up again, even after I had not responded to his first message and invited me to something, something else. Um, and at that point, like I did respond and I just told him like, hey, like I had a good time, but like, I don't think this would be a, a good match and just kind of like close the loop that way and like moved on. But yeah, I'm not gonna lie. Like I found the fact that he, he didn't pay on the first date, especially a date that he had initiated. Um, I found the fact that he didn't pay to be like a turnoff. And I just lost interest. Um, you know, <laughs> I don't know, mm -hmm. I, I feel like if you're listening, and you think that's shallow or whatever, like, I, I know myself, I also I, I feel like just as much as women want to feel taken care of guys want that too. And I feel like if he did pay and then we went on a second date, I would have without a doubt taken care, taken care of like paying the second for the second date. Um, but he didn't. And for me, like there's just there's an element of traditional chivalry that's like important to me. And so if we go on a date, especially a date that you suggest and you don't pay, I'm going to think you're cheap and lose interest. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. And I also would take it a step further and say that even if like, he wasn't interested in seeing you again. The fact that he initiated the date mm -hmm. means that he should pay. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like, as far as, you know, me feeling that like the guy should pay on the, on the dates, I'm really only just talking about like the first one or two dates, right? Like, I think once you get into the rhythm of continuing to go on dates with the same person from there, then you establish whatever seems practical for the both of you, whether that's splitting the check each time or like taking turns paying or whatever. Like, you know, I don't have that expectation that a guy should always pay like forever, but I do feel like the first date at a minimum, especially if it's a date again that you, that you initiate, like you should pay. Yeah. Um, totally yeah. So I found um, a survey from the internet and it was a survey posted on like this Forbes article. So this question was asked of who should pay on the first date. 78% uh, of respondents said they think men should pay on the first date. And then that breakdown between men versus women, 85% of men felt that they should pay while 72% of women felt that men should pay. So based on the survey, men were more likely than women to think that men should foot the bill. Yes. And I also feel like for as much shit that women have to put up with in like the grand scheme of life and things, you know, gender pay gap, misogyny, sexual harassment, like whatever other widespread issues, it's like, whatever, dude, you can pay. On the Just first pay date. for the first date. Yeah. <laughs> like, 
it's not that complicated. Um, okay. What I, the other thing that I was going to say about this is that I feel like I've heard, um, you know, from other friends that, um, like one of the reason why guys like aren't really, aren't paying for dates as much as they used to is because of like dating apps and the fact that like men are going on so many dates now yes. that it's like kind of financially draining to like have to pay for first dates. Um, each time and my answer to that is to be more selective for your first dates like yeah <laughs> the, the, the solution isn't to like pass off the the cost to the other party you know it's like figure out a way to to finance the dates or don't go on them yeah totally I mean that's a, like for that exact reason that you just mentioned my preference is to is to do something that's low-key that doesn't require anyone to pay an expensive bill and then from there you can kind of get a better gauge of like okay do do I actually want to go out to dinner with this person do I actually want to do something else with this person um and I feel like that's a better way to kind of manage it yeah I think there's just there's a lot of different solutions that you can come up with the solution is definitely not like asking somebody for dinner and then splitting the bill with them like that's just yeah. not <laughs> that's just not okay in my book yeah so and also, one other thing to point out is because I like asked some guys that I know, a lot of them said yes. If they wanted to see a girl again, they would absolutely make sure they take care of the bill on the first date. On the flip side, I also know guys who have said that if they weren't interested in going on a second date, they would still want to pay because they like felt bad. So I thought that was interesting too. Um. Okay, so... Moving on to the next question. So this is another good one. So it says, this person writes, so many of the Indian guys I meet on the apps live at home. I can't get past this. Can you talk more on this? <clears throat> um, so uh, there's a, a, a lot to talk about here. So first of all, I just want to kind of preface for listeners who maybe are not from Indian or like South Asian cultures. I'd say it's not uncommon for people both men and women to live at home until they're married it's something that is encouraged by you know most of our parents at least my parents and like a lot of mm -hmm. the my parents generation like they all like encourage their kids to live at home it's like oh come live here save your money blah 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 so it's pretty common culturally to live at home until you're married like if I think about my community of unmarried people I know who are Indian I want to say it's like a 50-50 split between unmarried Indian people who live at home or lived at home until they were married versus unmarried Indian people who moved out before they were married, as mm -hmm. opposed to like the community of people I know who are not Indian or South Asian. It definitely like leans far more on the side of having moved out of their parents' home well before they got married. Um, so I did a little Instagram poll on my personal Instagram page a few weeks ago, where I asked the question to women specifically. So <clears throat> the question read, if you're a woman, if you're a woman over the age of 25, and irrespective of your current marital or relationship status, would you find dating a man who lives at home to be a deal breaker? And 76 women responded. And 72% of women stated that a man living at home with their parents would be a deal breaker. And then on the flip side, I asked the same question to men later on, and only 13% of men said that dating a woman, a woman who lives at home with their parents would be a deal breaker. 
So what do you think about this? Like, do you find that to be a deal breaker? And if so, why? So um, I'm going to answer this question from a personal standpoint and then what I kind of think from like a general standpoint. So for me personally, at my age and like the age of the guys that I'm dating, it would be a deal breaker for me. Just because I believe that like, you know, we're both at an age now where, you know, you should be able to financially be able to live in your own place, whether it's renting a place or owning a place. And so living for, for, to to meet a guy who's like living with his parents is a deal break. It is a turnoff for me, um, both from like a financial standpoint. And also, I just think that when you have your own place there's just so much like personal growth that happens with that too Mm -hmm. like you have to learn to like be responsible like um clean like keep your place clean like buy groceries for yourself cook for yourself like there's so many like skills that you develop by having your own place and so if I meet a guy who's like you know again like of my age and like the age bracket that I'm dating in who's living at home that's a bit of a deal breaker for me However, I think from a general standpoint, there's a lot of factors that you have to consider. Like age is a big one, right? Like if somebody is like in their earlier, in their earlier, even like mid twenties and, you know, they're living at home and maybe they're um, like, maybe they're, they went back to school, they're in graduate school or something like that. Then it kind of, it makes sense that like, that they might be living at home if they want to save money. But um, or, you know, maybe they want to like, they, they move back home because they want to start their own business or whatever. If they have like a concrete reason as to why they're doing this and it's like purposeful and strategic, then it can kind of make sense. But if they're kind of just like living at home just to, just to do it and just because they haven't really explored other options, that's a big deal breaker for me. Yes. I I agree with that. I think a big part of it is like where you're at in your own life, like you mentioned. So like me, I at, at 31, I don't want to date anyone who lives at home. I think if you ask me this same question at like 23 or 24, you know, I could see myself being more open to the idea of dating someone who's at home, you know, considering whatever the circumstances are. Maybe they're just fresh out of college. Maybe they're in grad school. Maybe they want to save up money or whatever. That's fine. But like you mentioned, there's a lot of growth that happens when you move away from home. And if you're someone who's lived away from home, you know that there's so much learning that happens through that experience. And naturally, if you've had that experience yourself, then you'd likely want to date someone who's who's had that experience too. Um, And I think like another point is, you know, like for me, I personally just value my own independence. And it's, it's important for me to find a partner who has similar levels of independence. And when I think about a partner, I think about someone in the long term, like someone in the context of who can be like a provider, not necessarily the provider or like the only provider, but a provider. And it's just really hard for me to mentally bridge the gap of being a figure who can confidently step into the role of a quote provider if you've never left your parents' house and you've never had to deal with like real world adult responsibilities. Mm -hmm. And I guess Uh, like, 
um, like when I'm imagining someone that lives at home, like if you're someone that lives at home and you're like financially contributing to the household, like pay, like pay, like helping to pay the mortgage or like actually helping to like actively take care of the house, that's like a little bit different. Yeah. Um, but like when I guess like when I imagine somebody who's like living at home, I like literally think of somebody who's like living at home for free. That's like yeah. not really doing any chores. It's kind of having everything taken care of for them. And that is a major turnoff for me. Yeah. So I mentioned that I did a poll on Instagram and then like I had also asked, um, I did a follow up to kind of gauge some responses from women on why they've, if they, if they voted that it's a deal breaker, why they found it to be a deal breaker. Um, And some of the responses I got were like, you know, I'm just reading off of them, not self-sufficient, lack of drive. I, I value a partner who's had real life experiences, living at home, spent so much growth and experience. It's a sign of growth. Don't wait till you're married to move out, move out move on with your life. Um, you know, so there were like a handful of other similar responses that alluded to to that some, same theme of like independence and that this idea of having moved out of your parents' parents' home is like a sign of maturity. Um, one response also said, um, she writes, inability to have privacy while getting to know each other. Um, which I totally agree with. I mean, I, you know, like I, I mentioned earlier, like the fun parts of dating are just like hanging out, like coming over to each other's places, cooking together, watching Netflix together. Like, I don't want to do that at your mom's house. Like, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and then I also got a, a DM from a, a friend. I'll, I'll keep her anonymous. So she writes, uh, she's also Indian. So she writes, the Indian son mother dynamic is unlike any other. In my experience, Indian men in their late 20s, early 30s who still live at home are often babied and their moms like babying them. And then she goes on to say, not specific to Indian men. I also just need to know things like, have you ever had a bill in your name? Have you ever patched up holes in a wall? Do you know where the breaker is located? I know these are silly questions, but there's so much life, quote unquote, associated with them. And I've already lived it. And I want someone who has done the same. So. Yeah, I think, you know, we both touched on that last piece of of how like moving away from home, there's a lot of growth and learning that comes with that experience. Um, So if you've if you've if you've had that yourself, like you naturally would want someone who's had similar experience. But reading that message, that first part about Indian mothers babying their sons, I was like, yep. I mm-hmm. I know exactly what you're talking about. And I think a lot of people listening, if you're from Indian culture, you probably know that too. Like Indian moms are notorious for coddling their sons. Like I saw my mom do the same where they're just so accommodating. Like, oh, you don't like this vegetable? Let me make something else. Oh, don't wash those dishes. Like leave it. I'll take care of it. You know, and the, like, the next thing you know, you're 28 years old, you're so used to your mom coddling you that like, I I just that like, I think getting married and then moving out would be a bigger adjustment than like, Mm -hmm. I'd care to deal with. Yes, for sure. Um, Okay, so we got a couple more questions. Like, we just got two more. So okay, ghosting. Let's talk about ghosting. When is it okay to ghost versus being upfront about not wanting to see to see someone, how do you also give feedback? So ghosting, if the term ghosting, if you're like totally out of the loop, is basically ending all communication without any kind of, you know, prior discussion or explaining. You just basically stop talking to someone. Yeah, um, yeah. I think it just 
it really depends on like how long you've like known this person, right? Like yes. it's only gone on like one or two dates. It's like no harm, no foul at that I point. I honestly think that ghosting is just fine yeah. because like there's hardly any time invested. Yes. But if this is someone who like, you know, you really like, like the, the two of you guys were really vibing and, you know, you could tell that that person like really likes you. I feel like you kind of owe them you don't I guess I shouldn't say oh but it is it is nice to um be courteous and kind of um give that feedback as to why you're not interested I also I do think like there are times where it could be quote okay to just kind of like ghost or whatever like is if things fizzle out and if neither of you are like making a concerted effort to reach back out it's kind of like a no harm no foul situation like a mutual ghost. Yeah, like a mutual <laughs> Yes, a mutual ghost. Like, I remember probably five or six years ago, I dated this guy for a very short period of time. It was like two or three months. And we were we were both living in the same city. So it was in person. And we probably hung out like maybe once a week or maybe like once every other week. Um, so it wasn't just like one date, but it was like a couple months. And I just kind of started to feel like there wasn't really that much momentum. And I was kind of just like losing interest. And it just felt like it wasn't really going anywhere. And so one day I just, um, I just like forgot to respond to him and he never reached back out and I just didn't really bother either. And so I do remember like at one point thinking like, oh, maybe I should just tell him just to kind of close the loop, quote unquote. Um, But after some time passed where neither of us took the next step, it just kind of like seemed totally unnecessary. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a little bit different if if things just kind of like naturally like fizzle out. How do you feel about feedback? So that was another part of this question is like, let's say you went on a date with a guy and you aren't interested in seeing him again. And there's very specific reasons why you're not interested in seeing them and seeing them again. Like, do you feel compelled to give them feedback, Tina? So this is actually interesting. Um, I actually had a situation recently um, where I went on a date with someone and I wasn't interested in going on a second date with him. And he had reached back out and asked me if I you know, wanted to go on a second date. And initially I just ghosted him because I just, you know, I just wasn't interested and we only went on one date. So I didn't really think it was like bad to necessarily ghost. Mm -hmm. So I did. But then I was chatting with one of my friends and she was like, you know what, why don't you just give him feedback? Like, you know, he's probably like sitting there wondering why you didn't text him back. So like, you know, it would be the, the, the mature and nice thing to do would be to like give him feedback. And so I was like, okay, you know what, you're right. So I text him back and I'm like, hey, you know, I'm not, I wasn't, I'm not really interested in going on a date with you for like X, Y, Z reasons. I was very, I thought I was very polite. Um, I was kind of just very kind of matter of fact of like, you know, these are the reasons why I'm not really that interested, but like, you know, you know, take care and, you know, hope you find the right person, you know, blah, blah, blah. Then he ends up texting me back and he essentially text back a rebuttal to like mm. everything that I said and basically was giving like counter arguments to like the, the oh, things gosh. The famous that I made yeah which is just like and just the overall tone of his text was just like so rude and like kind of condescending and yeah. I was just like okay wow this is like really unnecessary but at the end of the day I don't regret giving him feedback because I think that even though he didn't take it very well in the moment he probably will uh, listen and use it to his 
uh, advantage at some point. Um, so I guess like if you feel comfortable giving feedback, knowing that, you know, it, you may not get a positive response from it, go ahead and do it. But if it's something that you're not really comfortable with, like, I don't think that we're absolutely obligated to do. Like, I think it's a nice to do. It's not necessary. Yeah, I agree. Like, you don't really owe anyone an explanation, especially somebody that you're just in the early dating phases of. I do think giving feedback is great. But, you know, like, because of all the reasons that you just mentioned, you know, from your experience, I also think that like, accepting feedback requires a certain level of like emotional intelligence and maturity. And so if you try giving feedback to someone who doesn't have that, then chances are it's going to be fruitless because they're just going to get defensive and hostile about it. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's happened to me a few times too, where I attempted to give feedback in what I felt like was a respectful and candid way, but they just ended up getting mad and defensive. And it was like, okay, dude, I'm just trying to help you. <laughs> yeah. So now I'm just like wary of the idea of giving feedback. Um, yeah, okay. I think if somebody like explicitly asks for it, that's like a little bit of a different story, like definitely given in that case. Yeah. Um, if they don't, I don't know. I think you, can, you really have to make a judgment call of like whether or not you think they would benefit from it, whether or not that you think that they would um, take it and take it in a nice way mm-hmm. and whether you're willing to kind of deal with the negative feedback if they don't take it. Yeah, totally. And I think also depending on the format or the medium that you're giving feedback, when it's through text, it's really easy for your emotions and intentions to kind of get lost in translation. Like, you know, if you just give a text message response that's very matter of fact and blunt, it's, it's a lot easier for the other person to think there's more to it than than you really intended for it for it to be like I remember one time I gave feedback and I read through it like three or four times because I wanted to be frank and honest but I also wanted to like be nice in my messaging and it totally didn't come across that way and this person just basically thought I was being really bitchy and I was like whoa wait not that wasn't like my intention you know Mm -hmm. so I think it's like Yeah, especially like if you don't really know each other, it's like really easy for your intentions to kind of get misconstrued. For sure. Um, Okay, so last question is revolving around like parents. Um, So this one question is from, uh, actually, she's a friend of mine. Um, She's not Indian. Uh, Hey, Lisa. Shout out to my friend, Lisa. So she writes, she wouldn't mind me mentioning her. So um, she writes, it's always been so interesting to me in our conversations to hear how seriously dating is viewed in Indian culture. Like if you tell your family you have a boyfriend, they immediately take it to be something serious. Whereas I asked my dad, whereas I asked my dad if he wanted to meet my boyfriend when my dad was visiting me my freshman year of college. And he literally said, I will if you want me to, but you're going to have so many different boyfriends in college that that I'd rather wait until it's someone serious. I think it would be so interesting to hear about the cultural differences and how dating is approached. Like, I feel like I've always approached dating as just something as just something fun to do versus looking for a life partner until I was in my late 20s. Um, I guess like from my experience, I mean, my parents had an arranged marriage. And so the concept of dating and dating culture is just very foreign to them. Mm -hmm. And it's really taken years of me like, quote, training them to understand what dating culture is like. Um, And that, you know, I may date 
somebody and get into a relationship with someone for like two years or three years before I decide to get married to that person. And I think that was like a difficult concept for my parents to understand because for them, they were like, okay, so you're talking to someone. Okay, great. As long as they take three check boxes for them, it was like, okay, what's what's next? What are you waiting for? What's the plan? The plan as in like, what's the plan for marriage? Um, and so I think for, for my parents, they just weren't as familiar with like the culture of dating. Um, so it's taken a lot of years, like I mentioned, of training them. Now I have such an open relationship with my parents that I pretty much tell them everything. I think all of these years of training, like they've, they've learned to kind of just like back off and like not ask too many questions and they kind of know whenever she's ready for whatever is next she'll come to us as opposed to them constantly like badgering me about what the stage of our relationship is or what you know is going to happen next yeah I have a very similar experience I think like the primary difference between you know Indian Indian dating culture versus like um, you know almost any other culture especially American dating culture is what you said which is arranged marriages right like in India like for our parents like they didn't really date like they didn't go on dates like period um, they basically their parents essentially accept them up with somebody they maybe met them like once or twice and they got married like that was mm-hmm. that it was a very very simple process And so I think when um, they kind of take that same mentality and apply it to dating in America, where they're like, oh, you went on a date with somebody, like, when are you getting married? Like, not quite to that extreme, but almost where it's sort of just, what are you waiting for? You know, they hit the, they hit the, the, the check marks, like you were saying, Uh, you know, what's, what else is there for you guys to do? Whereas like, you know, in America, we kind of like take our time, you know, getting to know different people. We also understand that like the first person that we meet is not necessarily going to be the person that we end up marrying right so like we have we're kind of familiar with that whole concept of like getting to know people over a long period of time getting to know multiple people and that's just a totally different concept for them so they're like trying their best to understand um to understand that but they still kind of come from like a different culture and a different time period where that just didn't exist yeah I mean, the kind of conversations I have with my parents about dating now is so different than it was like eight years ago when, you know, I first had graduated college. So my parents have like really come a long way. Yeah, I still like I'm not totally open with my parents. I'm going to be honest about a lot of things Um, just because I find that they still kind of have that mentality um, on when it comes to certain things. Yeah. So I just kind of like, it's just sort of like my choice to keep things private until things become more serious. But um, I guess, yeah, it's just kind of, there's different approaches that you could take. I think that wraps up all of the questions that we had. This was a really fun episode. Thanks so much, Tina, for um, joining. Thanks for having me.